0: Okay, last chapter of general chemistry. I'm so excited to be finished with this one and move on to something new. Okay, so electrochemical cells are contained systems in which oxidation reduction reactions occur. There are three fundamental types of electrochemical cells. Galvanic cells, also known as voltaic cells, electrolytic cells, and concentration cells. There's also commercial cells, um, like batteries. Galvanic cells and concentration cells have spontaneous reactions, whereas electrolytic cells contain non-spontaneous reactions. Spontaneity is by change in Gibbs free energy, delta G, so all three types contain electrodes where oxidation and reduction take place. For all electrochemical cells, the electrode where oxidation occurs is called the anode, and the electrode where reduction occurs is called the cathode. There's the electromotive force, which corresponds to the voltage or electrical potential difference of the cell. If EMF is positive, the cell is able to release energy. Delta G is less than zero, which means it's spontaneous. And if it's negative, the cell must absorb energy, which means it's not spontaneous. We can also state that for all electrochemical cells, the movement of electrons is from anode to cathode, and the current runs from cathode to anode. In physics, it's typical to state that current is a a direction of flow of a positive charge through a circuit. This model was proposed first by Ben Franklin and continues to be used among physicists. Um, We so modern chemists are interested in the flow of electrons, but may discuss the current, which is a theoretical flow of positive charge, as a proxy for flow of electrons. The current and the flow of electrons of are always of equal magnitude but in opposite directions. And then all batteries are influenced by temperature changes. As we know, so yeah. Again, electrons move through an electrochemical cell opposite to the flow of current, which is labeled as I. Then, all of the non-rechargeable batteries that you own are galvanic cells or voltaic cells. Um, they produce energy to power some device or appliance, and they are they have to be spontaneous. Um, So the reaction's free energy is decreasing as the cell releases energy to the environment, and if the free energy change is negative, their electromotive force must be positive, and so they always have opposite signs. So there's two electrodes of distinct chemical identity placed in separate compartments, which are called half cells. The two electrodes are connected to each other by a conductive material like a copper wire, and along the wire there may be other components of a circuit like resistors, capacitors, yada yada. We don't care about that. So surrounding each of the electrodes is an aqueous electrolyte solution composed of cations and anions, as shown in the Danielle cell. The cations in the two half-cell solutions can be of the same element as the respective metal electrode. Connecting the two solutions is a structure called a salt bridge, which consists of an inert salt. When the electrodes are connected to each other by a conductive material, charge will begin to flow as a result of an oxidation-reduction reaction that is taking place between the two half-cells. The redox reaction in the galvanic cell is spontaneous, and therefore the change in Gibbs free energy for the reaction is negative. As a spontaneous reaction proceeds toward equilibrium, the movement of electrons results in a conversion of electrical potential energy into kinetic energy. By separating the reduction and oxidation half-reactions into two compartments, we're able to harness the energy and use it to do work. So in the Danielle cell, a zinc electrode is placed in an aqueous ZnSO4 solution, and a copper electrode is placed in an aqueous CuSO4 solution. The anode of this cell is a zinc bar, where Zn is oxidized to Zn2+, aqueous or solid oxidized to aqueous and the cathode is the copper bar and this is the site of reduction of Cu2 plus aqueous to Cu solid and the half reactions are Zn solid yields Zn2 plus aqueous plus 2 electrons and Cu2 plus aqueous plus 2 electrons yields Cu solid and so the first half reaction is anode um, and the reduction Potential, I believe is what it's called, is negative 0.762, and for the cathode, it's positive 0.340, and these are in volts. And the total reaction of the cell is plus 1.102 volts. And that's we'll look at cell potential um, later, but... Yeah, if we didn't separate them, then the copper ions would react directly with the zinc bar, and no useful electrical work would be done, but they have to be physically separated and connected by a conductive material to complete the circuit. If there was only a wire provided for this electron flow, the reaction would soon stop because an excess positive charge would build up on the anode and an excess negative charge would build up on the cathode. And the excessive charge accumulation would provide a counter voltage large enough to prevent oxidation reduction from happening. So that's why we use a salt bridge because it dissipates the charge gradient and it permits the exchange of cations and anions. So it has like an inert electrolyte like KCl or NH4nO3, which contains ions that will not react with the electrodes or with the ions in solution. and then while the anions from the salt bridge diffuse into the solution on the anode side to balance out the charge of the newly created Zn2 plus ions, uh, the cations of the salt bridge flow into the solution on the cathode side to balance out the charge of the sulfate ion in solution when the Cu2 plus ions are reduced to Cu and precipitate onto the electrode. And this precipitation process out into the cathode itself can be called plating or galvanization. And during the course of the reaction, electrons flow from the zinc anode through the wire into the copper cathode. A voltmeter can be connected to the mixture this EMF. And the anions flow internally from the salt flow externally from the salt bridge into the ZnSO4, and the cations flow externally from the salt bridge into the CUSO4. And this flow depletes the salt bridge, and along with the finite quantity of cu 2 plus in the solution, accounts for the relatively short lifespan of the cell. So A cell diagram is a shorthand notation representing the reactions in an electrochemical cell um, that uses a bunch of lines. So ZnS with a line, Zn or vertical line, Zn2+, one molar, two lines, vertical, Cu2+, one molar, one line, Cu solid. So the reactants and products are always listed from left to right in this form. Anode, vertical line, anode solution, and then concentration in parentheses and then two vertical lines cathode solution concentration in parentheses with one more line cathode so a single vertical line is a phase boundary and a double vertical line indicates the presence of a salt bridge or some other type of barrier so comparing the galvanic and electrolytic cells electrolytic cells it's important to keep shit so what remains consistent and what differs all types of electrochemical cells have a reduction reaction occurring at the cathode and an oxidation reaction occurring at the anode a current flowing from cathode to anode and electron flow from anode to cathode. However, electrolytic cells are otherwise the opposite of galvanic cells. So, galvanic cells house spontaneous re- reactions that generate electrical energy. Electrolytic cells house non-spontaneous reactions that require input of energy to proceed, and the change of free energy for electrolytic cells is positive, and this is called hydrolysis or electrolysis, because it is di- it's driven by an external voltage source in which chemical compounds are decomposed. And um, okay, we can talk about Michael Faraday, who was the first to define certain quantitative principles governing the behavior of electrolytic cells. He theorized that the amount of chemical change induced in an electrolytic cell is directly proportional to the number of moles of electrons that are exchanged during the oxidation reduction reaction. The number of moles exchanged can be determined from the balance of reaction. So for a reaction that involves the transfer of N electrons per atom M, M to the N plus plus N E, or like N times electrons, yields M solid. And according to this equation, one mole of metal M solid will logically be produced if N moles of electrons are supplied to one mole of M to the N plus, like charge-wise. And the number of moles of electrons needed to produce a certain amount of m solid can now be related to the measurable electrical property of charge. One electric one electron carries a charge of 1.610 times the nineteenth 19th, 19th coulombs. And the charge carried by one mole of electrons can be calculated by multiplying by Avogadro's number, which yields 96,485 coulombs per mole of electron. And this is the Faraday constant. One Faraday is equivalent to the amount of charge contained in one mole of electrons or one equivalent, and we're going to round this up to 10 to the 5th Coulombs per mole electron to make it more manageable. The electrode deposition equation summarizes this process and helps determine the number of moles of element being deposited on a plate. So mole of capital M equals I T over N F, where mole M is the amount of metal ion being deposited at a specific electrode i is the current, t is the time, n is the number of electron equivalents for a specific metal ion, and f is the Faraday constant. This can also be used to determine the amount of gas liberated during electrolysis. So calculating moles of metal, it is not fun. Moles of metal equals it over nf. The concentration cell is a special type of galvanic cell. It contains two half cells connected by conductive material allowing spontaneous redox to proceed, which generates current and delivers energy. But the distinguishing characteristic is that the electrodes are chemically identical. So if both electrodes are copper metal, they have the same reduction potential and the current generated as a function of a concentration gradient is established between the two solutions surrounding the electrodes. And the concentration gradient results in a potential difference between the two compartments and drives the movement of electrons in the direction that results in equilibration of the ion gradient. The current will stop when the concentrations of ionic species in the half cells are equal. This implies that the voltage or electromotive force of the concentration cell is zero when the concentrations are equal, and the voltage can be calculated using the Nernst equation. So in a biological cell, a concentration cell is like the cell membrane of a neuron. Um, Sodium and potassium cations and chlorine anions are exchanged to produce an electrical potential. The actual value depends on both the concentrations and charges of the ions, and in this way, a resting membrane potential can be maintained disturbances of the resting membrane potential if sufficiently large may stimulate firing of an action potential so then we have let's see how much more do i have to okay i think i can get through this okay we have rechargeable cells or rechargeable batteries they function as both a galvanic and electrolytic cell lead acid batteries also known as lead storage batteries a specific type of type of rechargeable battery as a voltaic cell, when fully charged, it consists of two half-cells, a PB anode, and a porous PBO2 cathode connected by a conductive material. When fully discharged, it consists of two PBSO4 electroplated lead electrodes with a dilute concentration of H2SO4. And both half-reactions cause the electrodes to plate with lead sulfate and dilute the acid electrode when discharging. The lead anode is negatively charged and attracts the anionic bisulfate. And the lead IV oxide cathode is a bit more complicated. It's porous and allows the electrolyte to solvate the cathode into lead and oxide ions. So then the hydrogen ions in solution react with oxide ions to produce water. And the remaining sulfate ions react with lead to produce electroplated lead sulfate. When charging, the lead acid cell is part of an electrolytic circuit. And these equations in electrode charge designations are the opposite because an ele- external source reverses the electroplating process and concentrates the acid solution. This external source is very evident when you use, like, jumper cables. And lead acid batteries have some of the lowest energy-to-weight ratios, or energy density, which is a measure of a battery's ability to produce power as a function of its weight. Then we have nickel-cadmium batteries, which are rechargeable cells. They consist of two half cells made of solid cadmium, the anode and nickel-3-oxide-hydroxide, which is the cathode, connected by conductive material, which is typically potassium hydroxide. Double uh, A AA or triple A cells are made of nickel cadmium battery material, um, and the electrodes are layered and wrapped around in a cylinder. cylinder. Charging reverses the electrolytic cell potentials again here, um, and they're vented to allow for the re- release of built-up hydrogen and oxygen gas during electrolysis. They have higher energy density, so they also provide higher surge current, which are periods of large current um, or amperage early in the discharge cycle, which is preferable in like remote controls or rapid response-based material. Um, so modern na- nickel cadmium batteries have been replaced by more efficient nit- nickel-metal hydride batteries, which have more energy density, more cost-effective, and are less toxic. So galvanic cell AN, the anode is negative. Uh, current is spontaneously generated as electrons are released by the oxidized species of the anode and travel through the conductive material to the cathode where reduction takes place. And because the anode of a galvanic cell is a source of electrons, it is considered the negative electrode, and the cathode is considered a positive electrode. And electrons, therefore, move from negative low electrical potential to positive high electrical potential, while the current, or the flow of positive charge, is from positive high electrical potential to negative, which is low electrical potential. Conversely, the anode of an electrolytic cell is considered positive because it's attached to the positive pole of of the external voltage source, and it attracts anions from the solution. The cathode of an electrolytic cell is considered negative because it's attached to the negative pole of the external voltage source, and it attracts cations from the solution. Um, However, both cells' reduction occurs at cathode and oxidation at anode. Cations are attracted to cathode, and anions are attracted to anode. And then we have... Uh, Isoelectric focusing, it's a technique used to separate amino acids or polypeptides based on the isoelectric points, or the PI. Positive charged amino acids protonated at the solution's pH will migrate towards the cathode, and negatively charged amino acids deprotonated at the solution's pH will migrate towards the anode. Okay, so then we have cell potentials. So, reduction potential measured in volts, and defined relative to the standard hydrogen electrode, which is given a potential of 0 volts by convention uh the species in reaction that will be oxidized or reduced can be determined from the reduction potential of each species defined as the tendency of a species to gain electrons and be reduced and each species has its own intrinsic reduction potential and the more positive the greater the tendency that it will be reduced and standard reduction potential is under standard conditions just like everything else one atmosphere pressure one molar and 298 kelvin or 25 degrees celsius more positive standard electron Uh, Standard reduction potential means greater relative tendency to be reduced, and less positive is greater for oxidation. So for galvanic cells, the electrode with more positive reduction potential is the cathode, and less positive is the anode. Um, And for electrolytic cells, the electrode with a more positive reduction potential is forced by the external voltage source to be oxidized, and is therefore the anode. And less positive is forced to be reduced, and is therefore the cathode. And reduction and oxidation are opposite. So to obtain the oxidation potential, both the reduction, half-reaction, and sign of the reduction potential are reversed. The electro standard electromotive force is the difference in potential or voltage between two half-cells under standard conditions. So it's determined by calculating the difference in reduction potentials between the two half-cells. So reduction at cathode minus reduction at anode uh, potentials. And don't multiply them by the number of moles when their oxides are reduced. The potential of each electrode does not depend on the size of the electrode or the amount of material, but rather the identity. Um, So the standard reduction potential will not change unless the chemical identity is changed. So then again, we think about Gibbs free energy. It's uh, delta G and EMF are related as follows. It's equal to the negative N. Fe of cell, where delta G is the standard change in free energy and is the number of moles of the electrons exchanged. F is Faraday constant, and E cell is the standard EMF of the cell. So Faraday constant is expressed in coulombs, so delta G must be explained, or coulombs is joules over volts, so the delta G has to be in joules, not kilojoules, and yeah. Delta D and E of the cell will always have opposite signs, so galvanic cells have negative delta G and positive E cell values. Electrolytic cells have electrolytic cells have positive delta G and negative E cell values. And then we have the Nernst equation. Uh, the concentration and the EMF of the cell are related. EMF varies with the changing concentrations of the species in the cell. And when conditions deviate, we can use the Nernst equation. So E cell is the EMF of the cell under non-standard conditions. E cell standard is the EMF of the cell under standard conditions. R is the ideal gas constant. T is the temperature in kelvins. N is the number of moles of electrons. F is the Faraday constant. And Q is the reaction quotient for the reaction at a given point in time. So it's equal to E cell equals E standard cell minus RT over NF times ln Q. Or simplified to E cell equals E standard cell minus 0.0592 over N times log Q. And then the EMF of a cell can be measured with a voltmeter, and a potentiometer is a kind of of voltmeter that draws no current and gives a more accurate reading of the difference in potential between two electrodes. And we can talk about equilibria again, um, combining the two expressions to solve for standard free energy change. We see that delta G standard equals negative NFE standard cell, or equals negative RTL and KEQ. So thus... NFE standard cell is equal to RT KQ. And another equation is delta G equals delta G standard plus RT ln Q. Uh, if E standard cell is positive, ln KQ is positive. That means that the KQ must be greater than one, and that equilibrium lies to the right, which means products are favored. Okay, we'll go over the concept summary. I know this was a bit of a... I feel like for me this was probably the hardest chapter because I don't think I really ever learned this in chem. So definitely review this and look at some pictures and look at these equations because I don't think it's helpful for me to read them out as much as it is to look at them. Okay, but let's go over concept summary. So an electrochemical cell describes any cell in which oxidation-reduction reactions take place. Certain characteristics are shared between all types of electrochemical cells. Electrodes are strips of metal or other conductive materials placed in electrolyte solution. The anode is always the site of oxidation and attracts anions, and the cathode is always the site of reduction and it attracts cations. Electrons flow from the anode to the cathode, <laughs> and current flows from the cathode to anode. Cell diagrams are a shorthand notation that represent the reactions taking place in an electrochemical cell. They're written from anode to cathode with electrolytes, the solution in between. A vertical line is a phase boundary and a double vertical line represents a salt bridge or other physical boundary. Galvanic or voltaic cells house spontaneous reactions where delta G is less than zero with a positive electromotive force. And cells house electrolytic cells. Why do I always say electrolytic? Electrolytic cells house non-spontaneous reactions where delta G is greater than zero with a negative electromotive force, and these non-spontaneous cells can be used to create useful process through electrolysis. Concentration cells are a specialized form of galvanic cell in which both electrodes are made of the same material rather than a potential difference causing the movement of charge. It's the concentration gradient between the two solutions. The charge on an electrode is dependent on the type of electrochemical cell that one is studying. For galvanic cells, the anode is negatively charged and the cathode is positively charged. And for electrolytic cells, the anode is positively charged and the cathode is negatively charged. Rechargeable batteries are electrochemical cells that can experience charging or electrolytic electrolytic and discharging galvanic states. So rechargeable batteries are often ranked by energy density, which is the amount of energy a cell can produce relative to the mass of that battery material. Lead acid batteries, when discharging, consist of a PB anode and a PBO2 cathode and a concentrated sulfuric acid solution. When charging, the PBSO4- plated electrodes are dissociated to restore the original PB and the PBO2 electrodes and concentrate the electrolyte. These cells have low energy density. Then there are nickel-cadmium batteries, which are, when discharging, consist of a cadmium anode and a nickel oxide, or NiOOH cathode, in a concentrated KOH solution. So when charging the NiOH2 and CDOH2 plate electrodes are dissociated to restore the original CD and NIOOH electrodes and concentrate the electrolyte, and they have a higher energy density than lead-acid batteries. And then we have nickel metal hydride batteries, which have more or less replaced nickel cadmium batteries because they have higher energy density, more cost-effective, and are less toxic. And then surge current is an above-average current transiently released at the beginning of the discharge phase, and it wanes rapidly until a stable current is achieved. Uh, Then we'll go into cell potentials. So reduction potential is a tendency for a species to gain electrons and be reduced, and the higher it is, the more given a species will want to be reduced. Standard reduction potentials are calculated by comparison to the standard hydrogen electrode under the standard conditions of 298 Kelvin, 1-atmosphere pressure, and 1 molar concentrations. The standard hydrogen electrode has a standard reduction potential of 0 volts, and the standard electromotive force is the difference between the standard reduction potential between the two half-cells. And for galvanic cells, the difference between the reduction potentials of the two half-reactions is positive. For electrolytic cells, the difference of the reduction potential for two half-reactions is negative. And then finally, electromotive force and the change in free energy always will have opposite signs. When the E standard cell is positive, the delta G standard is negative, and this is the case in galvanic cells. When the E standard cell is negative and delta G standard is positive, this is the case in electrolytic cells. And when the E standard cell is zero, the delta G standard is zero, and this is the case in concentration cells. The Nernst equation describes the relationship between the concentration of species in a solution under non-standard conditions and the electromotive force. And there's a relationship between equilibrium constant, Keq, and E standard cell. So 1 Keq, which is the ratio of products concentrations at equilibrium over reactants, raised to their stoichiometric coefficients, when Keq is greater than 1, E standard cell is positive. When it's less than 1, it's negative. And when Keq is equal to 1, E standard cell is 0. Okay, my friends, thank you so much for listening to our general chemistry um, season, I guess. Uh, It'll be a nice surprise to see what book I choose next, so I'll catch you in the next one. Bye!